1: It's match.
0: That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and
1: rewards. It's hard to find a great mentor who can help me level up. My dream mentor, Stephen Curry, Simone Biles, episode 38. I was really excited that they have a class on masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, or even in audio mode. If you want to improve your physical and mental well-being, or if you want to build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel, go to Masterclass. Esther Perel's class has really been helping me build stronger relationships, and my friend Robin Roberts' class is helping me really expand my communication skills on the podcast and also in life. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money back guarantee. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash hard things.
0: Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. It's so hard out there. <laughs> it is hard out there. <laughs> it is
2: hard out there.
0: <laughs> it's brutal out there. So here's what we're doing today. We are here to answer your hard questions of us.
2: At your service pod squad.
0: At your service, um what happens is that we decide what we want to talk about and then we talk about those things here and then Sometimes you ask us questions that we ignore because they feel hard. And today (laughs) we are going to Joan of Arc the shit out of these hard questions, meaning we are going to get on our little horse and rush straight towards the hard of the pod squad's questions because there's a lot of good stuff in the questions we want to ignore. Isn't there, Mary Abigail?
1: There is. I feel a little bit... um... What's the word? I feel like a soft shell crab, vulnerable. Like oh so, That's y'all are here to to support us, right? Out there the pod squad. Yes, absolutely. Every, it's gonna be a good one.
0: Okay, so um Amanda, do you mind starting?
2: <laughs> it's so funny when you try to call me Amanda. So Amanda. Well, it's always this. It She's always the tongue, exactly. Samanda. Samantha. She's gonna end up being Samanda. Samantha. Well, Samantha.
0: Here's the thing and I I want to address that. Okay. I have called you sister since forever, mm-hmm. since you were born. After those horrific 3 years that I was left on the planet without you, it deeply upsets the pod squad. <laughs> okay, I just the pod squad loves you. And they feel that me calling you sister is dismissive of every single thing you are because it's reducing you to the role that you are to me, as opposed to what you are now to the world, which is Amanda in all of your many dimensions. I will never stop calling you sister outside of this pod, but I understand that. And I want to honor that because I get it. So I'm going to try to call you Samantha on this pod. i mean on the pod so samanda we're gonna first
2: hear from ashley i'll tell you what i don't like is (laughs) samanda i like sister all right ashley what do you got
1: hi this is ashley and i was just listening to episode 162 and listening to sister's story and i just wanted to know how it was a story about the christmas ornament by the way um how did you come to find peace without knowing what happened I feel like that's something a lot of us really struggle with. I love hearing your perspective about that and would love to hear more. Thanks. Bye.
2: Thank you, Ashley. I I too struggled with that. So what Ashley is referring to, go listen to 162, but broad strokes of what she's referring to <laughs> is um very quick separation with my former husband, didn't know which way was up, why it was happening. I thought it's because I asked him to choose between his job and his marriage, but all fell apart very, very surprisingly quickly. And then he vanished. And as I was trying to put together the pieces, I received in the mail to the former home that we had a baby's first Christmas ornament that was congratulating him on the birth of his new baby. So that gave me a little clue into-
1: (laughs) Because you, in
2: fact, were not pregnant.
1: (laughs) No, no, I was not. And how many months later was this from the separation? After I got the gift, I looked up, uh, baby registries
2: and the birth date at the time the registry was made was strongly correlated with a co-occurrence of events. Got it. Yeah. So regardless, what I was talking about during that is like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know the timing. I don't know the details. I don't know exactly what precipitated what some people would look at me and say I was a fool to not wholeheartedly believe that that was happening the whole time, which explains why everything fell apart so quickly, which explains why a baby was born so quickly, which all of it. And yet one cannot know exactly Mm -hmm. what happened. So the last time I talked to him, we had two five minute conversations about the demise of the marriage at the second one he walked out the door and I haven't talked to him since. So that was, you know, was that 15 years ago? Something like that. So I don't have any details as to what happened. And I really actually wanted to have those details. Like I wanted to have a story. I wanted a narrative to be able to say what happened to me and to my life and to my marriage. And I wanted to be able to explain it to myself and other people and to draw lessons and connect some kind of dots that were there and i think to draw some meaning and justify my sorrow to explain mm-hmm. my sorrow to myself um mm-hmm. and really it felt like a dignity
1: thing mm-hmm. to me
2: it felt like an insufferable loss of dignity to not know my own story
1: mm-hmm.
2: And so the hardest thing was to let go of the having an explanation or a story. And mm. I think I realized that I would either have to choose whether to continue to rail against this impossible unfairness that I would never know the truth of what happened or to release it into mystery. Mm. And it actually gave me more peace to release it into mystery and I think that's closer to the truth, actually, mm. because the truth is that most of life is a mystery Yep, and that acceptance of that mystery might be as close as we get to reality mm. because hmm. there isn't much explanation for a lot of the sorrow that we have. Even if I had my story of what happened, even if I knew the facts and the dates and the times <laughs> and the events, that would be my story of what happened. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It wouldn't be his story of what happened. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be her story of what happened. Mm -hmm. There would be no capital T truth in that. It would just be the way that I use a story to survive sorrow. Wow. And I have a friend right now, a dear, beautiful friend who is my age, who has kids my age, and who loves her kids as much as I love my kids. And she is dying right now. She is fighting to have weeks and months with her kids and her breath. And there is no story or narrative. And there are no dots you could possibly connect to make sense of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, this isn't to say like some kind of sorrow relativism, like my divorce was less traumatizing than her fighting to live. It's about. The fact that we struggle so hard to manufacture knowing what happened, and we almost always can until we absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. Like my friend, like mm-hmm. the friends who are mourning and walking with her. And I just think maybe there's a little more closeness to the reality of life when. We surrender to mystery earlier than when we absolutely must.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The less and- I seek my source for some definitive, the closer I am to find. It all keeps coming back to that. Mm-hmm. That is so <clears throat> beautiful Yeah. and true. And when you said that maybe the surrender to the mystery of things is closer to the truth than the trying to figure out the truth. I mean, I can tell you as a person whose job has (laughs) been to write memoirs of my life, the more memoirs I write, the less I know, all it is, is looking back from this perspective. But what if I turn a little bit and look from this perspective? But what if I turn and look from this perspective? It all changes. Even so even all of that being true, which I do believe everything you just said is the truth. Do you ever find yourself like Googling to figure it out? Do you <laughs> ever become detective again?
2: Yeah. So only, God, I didn't for a really, I think I did it like once, Um, like four years after. I don't know, like, what kind of bee got in my bonnet that <laughs> I did that. Um, it's relatable, and, though. It's relatable, so I appreciate it. Yeah. And to be fair, like, my initial Googling, it wasn't like, I want to be together. It was still trying to piece shit together. It was being a detective, like, trying to it put was, your it life like, together. You, how does this story work then? Yeah. Does the story work that that was his true love and they're still together? Does the story work where that was like, oops, we accidentally, accidentally got pregnant and now we're broken up. How does this story work? Like I was still trying to get the story. So it's not like I have, you know, No, not feelings. It's not about feelings at all. It's about it's
0: about putting a puzzle together. Mm, It's about still thinking of your life as a puzzle that you're just one piece away from putting together, Mm -hmm. which is
2: actually this makes sense.
0: It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna never gonna happen.
2: And then somebody wrote into this our podcast email address, and saying that they knew him, which was very odd because I would not have revealed his identity or any kind of anything. Mm -hmm. And that felt weirdly intrusive to me. It felt like because of the nature of it. So Allison who got the email first and who's been my friend for decades called me and was like, red alert, I'm not going to send this to you because I don't know what's going, but do you want me to send this to you because it's like explaining some things? And I said, no, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to see it. But it wasn't explaining things. According to her, it was just kind of empathizing with him, which is great. I I, I got that. When that person c- called in
0: to... Mm-hmm. offer empathy or perspective from the ex's side. I'm mostly just trying to figure my own self out because I am obsessed with this pod Squad and I was so pissed about that. I don't know. I didn't hear the message. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just still feel pissed about it. I feel like we are all sitting at a table where we're like each other's people, we're each other's friends. And like, if somebody, one of my friends pours their heart about out about their divorce and then somebody at the table is like, yeah, but have you thought of his perspective? I just feel like it's a breach of some kind, but maybe I'm in
2: sister bear mode. How did it make you feel and why? So a couple of things. A, the breach felt to me like my privacy had been invaded somehow. Because I had not identified him. Mm, yes. I had not said, this is the person, here's the identifiable information that you can use to ascertain who this person is. And so the that person identifying him to me before I did, um, this was about a year and a half ago, before I'd given any kind of information, um, mm. felt... Like, you're putting together pieces back to me that I have not invited you yes. to do. Um, and then, you know what? And this is going to be kind of opening myself up to something here. But the way that Allison described the email going was some of the Stuff that I just feel is so fucking tired. Mm. You know, a lot of the stuff that explained away a lot of his behavior. So the whole really jacked up relationship with his dad, military and hard stuff overseas, and he just compartmentalizes and jacked up relationship with dad. Did I mention the relationship with dad? Like, these things that I feel like, yes, those are all very valid. And yes, we need to be aware of them when we go into relationships with people. They dramatically affect everything. It is real. And also there comes a point in people's lives where we stop explaining and excusing behavior for decades and decades and decades based on an unwillingness to confront Mm -hmm. the issues that they're bringing to the table and ongoing choices about what they're exposing themselves to. Mm -hmm. What that means to me when people say that to me is here, can you hold these bags for him? And then can you let go of any kind of accountability you would put on him? Mm -hmm. Like, he has to hold those bags. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those bags that he won't put down, he has to hold. And they are not mine to hold. And they don't have anything to do with his ultimate decision to make the choices he made towards me. Mm-hmm. And I am not in a position to condemn. And I'm also not in a position to absolve.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That is not my business. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need you coming to me anymore telling me to absolve him than you are coming to me telling me to condemn him. I'm not taking your advice on either of those things. Amen, sister. Oh, good. So good. It's also this suggestion of like I have
0: more information or compassion than you do. Yeah. And I you were in the fucking marriage? Yeah. Like anyway, yours is better.
2: dot com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash hard things.
0: Can we please go to the next question for Samantha? (laughs) Oh God. Hi, my question is, what can your family do to help you relax and enjoy
2: yourself? (laughs) My husband is very similar to you. So when you're not conquering the world and taking care of everybody's things for them, because that's what you do and we love you for it. How can we help you relax? Love you guys so much. Yes. Oh, I'm scared. I know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice if I had an answer to that? Because I don't. I think I have two possibilities. As a partner to someone who worries a lot, what you can do is worry more. Yeah, damn, damn it. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that mm-hmm. there is this idea that someone is holding. the accountability, or someone is holding the quality control, or someone is ensuring that what needs to happen is going to happen, whether it's getting to the place on time, whether it's getting out to the bus, whether it's making sure the homework's done, whether it's making sure the bills are paid. Okay. And so if the person who is usually the most like you said, your husband, you know, conquering the world and taking care of everybody's things is often by default, that person. And no one talks about it. No one Mm -hmm. talks about it, but everybody knows that that's going to be the person who makes sure the shit gets done. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the other people don't have to. Now, if this goes to the overperforming underperforming that we talked about in another episode when my husband and I can tell ever since we've been talking about this he is starting to take that torch mm-hmm. of being the person who is the one ensuring this happens mm-hmm. so for example this morning went downstairs he is the one saying to the kids It's 8.19, you need to brush your teeth. It's 8.19. He was saying the things that suggests he is going to be accountable to the clock. Mm -hmm. And I was relaxed. Mm -hmm. I was relaxed because it was not me. And the reason why I'm an asshole a lot of the time (laughs) is because I'm the one doing that and everybody else is just responding To my accountability. Yes. Oh, say that again. They're
0: not responding to your assholery.
2: They're responding to your accountability. Mm. Interesting. And that makes me mad Mm -hmm. because I'm not allowed to just be in the situation. I'm the one holding the clock. I'm the one thinking what six steps need to be done so that this thing gets done. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when he worries more, I worry less. And that is a crappy way of saying that shared accountability. Shared accountability. Yeah. So that's number one, and it's so much easier to say. I wish you'd relax. I wish you would. I wish you would feel better. Like, what can I do? No, friend, who with the husband, go take a ball from his lap and carry that ball. Mm -hmm. And when you're carrying that ball. He will be less burdened because he won't be carrying that ball. Yes. So you take it and you let him know what you need from him to do what you need to do and what your family needs to do for you so that you can effectively carry that ball. But just looking at someone carrying 14 balls and being like, I wish you weren't so stressed is a dick move.
0: Yeah. And also even saying, what can I do to help when you see someone with 14 balls? Then you're giving that person another job, which is explain how this ball works. Like just take the ball and mm-hmm. figure it out with your big
1: grown up brain. Yeah, right. I go back, listen to the Overwhelm episode. Yeah. The ticker.
2: And it isn't true that overperformers can't stop doing that because just in this microcosm of thing that happened this morning, I could, as he shifted from underperforming towards the middle. I could shift from overperforming towards the middle Mm -hmm. because I wasn't so nervous that the thing wasn't going to get done. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I had a situation with that recently with, with Abby, with a work thing. And it was a person we were working with. And I am always the one who's like, I don't know about that person's motives. I'm feeling weird about this. And she's always the one that's like, let's just keep our arms wide open and trust which makes me feel like I have to be even more careful because we're just recklessly being open-hearted and open-armed all the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying that ironically, you understand that, babe, because I actually believe more in your way being right than mine. So, okay. And so this thing happened. And then I actually said, how do you feel about this? And she was like, I'm worried about it. I don't feel good about this. I don't like what that person just did. And I actually got to be unactivated and, and consider... Possible, like maybe even assigning good intent to this other person. Do you know what I mean? Like the roles. Oh, I know
2: exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what you mean. Yeah. When John gets fired up and pissed about something, it is the oddest feeling in my bones. It's like as close as I get to relaxing. Yeah. And feeling like a human because I'm like, oh, you wait. So you're really fired up. So that means my job is to be calm. Mm. Okay, this is actually what this moment. Needs. So look at me. I'm calm precisely because you're so fired up. Yes. I get to be polarized from you, Mm -hmm. which if you are always so calm, that is when I am on the other side of the spectrum, waving my arms, freaking out, because I think someone needs to be paying attention.
0: Yeah. So if you think that your partner needs to calm down about getting the kids to the bus stop, what you don't need to do is to tell your partner to calm down about getting the kids to the bus stop. What you do need to do is stop being calm about getting your kids to the bus stop. If you want your partner to calm down about something, you get uncalm
1: about that thing so that your partner can naturally calm down about it. A better way of saying that might be, take a little bit more responsibility in that thing that you want your partner to calm down in.
2: Yes. Calm up. Right. right. I'm using the calm thing and the worried thing just because that's what's so often attributed to people like me. Mm -hmm. But I think it's passive versus active. Mm. You take a more active role Mm
1: -hmm. so
2: that the other person can be less activated. The second thing I think that people can do is that I realize that a lot of this worry and anxiety and hyperactivation around things that people like me who feel responsible for taking care of people's stuff comes from a deep place of fear. It comes from a deep place, and mine comes from this deep fear that I am alone that it is all up to me, that I can't stop patrolling with vigilance because then things will fall apart. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, when that part of me is activated, my reaction is not commensurate with reality. Like it is missing the bus is just as big of a deal as some really huge thing Mm
1: -hmm. because
2: the burden I feel is like, see, it's just an example that if I'm not taking care of everything, everything falls apart. It's not Mm reality-based. And so I am spinning in my head and it is physiological. It's Mm -hmm. something that's happening physiologically to me. And I need to be grounded in my body Mm -hmm. is what I have learned to stop that activation so that I can approach things in a way that makes more sense and works better. So we have learned that the only thing that we found that works is that if John will take hold of my arms, like arm to arm, take my arms and look in my eyes and say, I'm here. I'm with you. We've got this. (gasps) It, it puts me back in my body. Mm. It does two things. It's like the physical touch somehow keeps me from spinning mm-hmm. in the place where all I have is like resentment and anxiety and freak out. And that physical touch is really important. It can't just be with words. Mm-hmm. It has to be like this physical reminder. You are not alone. I am here. Body to body. The, body, body to, to body. body. And then the second thing it does it is it speaks directly to that fear, that fear of like, I am proving you wrong that you're alone. Mm -hmm. And in a way that's even bigger than that, because he is seeing me be activated often before I am. Mm. And the fact that he can see me be activated even before I am and can react that way, shows me that he is helping me.
0: Yes. He's paying attention
2: and he's noticing you and yes. And that he is doing something for me that I can't do for myself, good, which Mm -hmm. further disproves this thing that it is all up to me and I'm the only one that can fix things. So if your partner also has the anxiety Mm -hmm. that is, that comes with the, like, I need to do everything, you might want to explore like what that fear is, what that
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: thinking trap is and what you can do to help ground them and be their partner in those moments. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations in multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth.
0: head to netsuite.com slash hard things, netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. I have a follow-up for you. Yeah. That feeling of I have to do all of this. I am controlling all of this. If I drop a ball, it all falls apart. Your partner coming to you and holding you and saying, I've got you. You're not alone. You're not alone. We're going to get through this together. So my reaction to that is that that even scares me Mm. because your partner is kind of, it's not totally true that they've got you. Like- and, and I might be saying this wrong because I'm just thinking of it as you're talking. So tell me if I'm totally off. But to me, putting my like okayness in another person who's saying, I'm here. It's okay. I've got you is like not enough for me. It's helpful. And Abby does that sort of thing all the time with me and my anxiety. But my okayness has to be grounded in the idea that there is some force that's got this that's beyond human being beyond a person that can grab me and say i've got this because at the end of the day i don't feel like anybody else has got me any better than i've got me and that scares the shit out of me so my question to you is do you have cuz we ne- we don't talk about this often with you Mm-mm. do you have a faith practice or cuz at the end of the day what if i drop the ball this is all falling apart i don't know anybody in the world for whom that is truer. Like in all the worlds that you're in, you are the quality control. You are the holder of the thing. I, I understand that that is based in a lot of reality. And there is a layer of, but I'm not God. There is a solar system here moving things. There is a million realities here that are actually not controlled by me. And we do know that control is an illusion. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: Liz said to me recently, she said this much more beautifully than I'm saying it, but she said, it's so wonderful that in your new recovery, you're learning to give up control, but isn't it hilarious to think that you can give up control? Like we never had control. When you give up control, you're not giving up control. You're giving up the delusion. You're giving
2: up your struggle against your lack of control.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So like, do you have, the only thing that works for me is a return to like stillness and whatever comes there, which some people call God, which some, you know, I find it in yoga. I find it in meditation. I find it in, on the, my walks, like this other being that I make contact with that is like, that's so cute, honey. You don't got this. Abby doesn't got this. Sister doesn't got this. I
2: got this.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have
2: that? Well, first I'll say it's a very good point about about what it does for me when he grabs my arms like that and it has nothing to do with me thinking he's got it mm. it has nothing to do with a confidence like oh thank God you're here and you've got this what it is the acknowledgement that I see you and what you're going through so a you're not alone and you're not crazy I see it happening to you. Mm. And also the physical touch grounds me back out of my tailspin in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it isn't the physical touch is just what's necessary to get me back in my body. Because when I'm in that state in my head, there is no end point that is good for me or anyone else around me. It's a dropping back into myself and my moments so that any kind of plan or better outcome is even possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not like, okay, the plan is you take it from here. That's not the plan. It's so that some kind of plan can happen hmm. or some kind of peace can happen in the process. I think the the baseline answer is getting out of my head and getting grounded back in my reality of what I can feel and see and touch. Hmm that is the
1: first step to the next step. I also think we're missing one of the most important components about John, not just noticing, but the physical touch is this idea that you're not alone. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because I think so much of our suffering, especially in those, those moments of being this high functioning person feels like you're alone. And so you call, you know, your desire to understand and surrender to not knowing what, the next reality is not having any control. And the only way I think human beings spirits can actually accept that is by touching somebody else and going, okay, we don't have any of this shit together. It's like proof. It's like proof that I'm not alone
0: because you are alone in your mind. That's what's so terrifying. You are alone in there.
1: And I think that touching somebody else Mm -hmm. who's also experiencing this fucking weird shit that's happening down here. Mm-hmm. And we have no control. And it's just like, yeah, we're doing this weird shit together. Oh my God. It's yeah. so
0: true, babe. Because when we're in our minds, we are alone. Yeah. it's it, 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 Bodies touching, bodies being together are the only way we can
2: actually be together. Yeah. And I think especially <sighs> for the person, like this person who's saying, how do I help my husband? The person who helps everyone else. There is a deep belief by the person who helps everyone else that no one can help them. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. your in tuneness to that person when they start to spiral and being able to sometimes even see it before they do and help reground them is throwing on its head the helper's whole belief system, which mm-hmm. is that no one else can help me but me.
0: Hmm. I get that.
2: There's a lot of subscription-based stuff nowadays, which is great. You might get one as a gift. You might really want to try something during a trial period. You might even make the occasional impulse buy. But what happens when you forget you signed up for this platform or need to cancel after the trial period on the platform? For me, I can never even find where I signed up to begin with. It gets overwhelming, but Rocket Money is here to help. cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash hard things that's rocketmoney.com slash hard things rocketmoney.com slash hard things
0: let's hear from Sophie hi sister my name is Sophie and i love the podcast and I was wondering what is it like to be in a heterosexual relationship when you are surrounded by lesbians and gays. I found the advice of Glennon and Abby very, very helpful. But I also sometimes feel like it's not applicable for my type of relationship. So I would love to have your in- input in that. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Bye. God, I love it when our pod squatters say love you. I love I you, cheese love you, I love cheese you too, Sophie. too,
2: Sophie. This is a great question and it's a fascinating one. Well, first I'll just say, Sophie, exact same for me. I feel like I find the advice of Glennon and Abby very, very helpful. And I also feel like it is sometimes not applicable to my type of relationship. Example, what do you mean? Oh, God. Um, So, I feel there's like a spectrum, right? And so, everything we talk about, like communication, okay, that is a great value and so important. And I feel like y'all are usually working on getting from 98% to 99% full communication. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of us who would be very pleased to get from like 42 to 48 Mm. Mm -hmm. degree of communication. And I actually don't even think that it has to do with queer and non-queer couples because I have friends in opposite sex marriages and they would probably relate to your relationship more than I would. Hmm. But I do sometimes think it's aspirational in ways that are... Is it annoying? Feeling... Is it annoying? No,
0: oh, no okay. it's
2: not annoying. Like, it's it's not at all. And I don't have, like, an iota of jealousy about it. I think it, to me, it's it's been empowering and interesting because it kind of has an expansiveness hmm. that is... Intriguing and allows me to think about the ways that I might pursue things that I want in my relationship. So, Hmm. the expansiveness about what you think about and what you pursue are kind of like, well, I would take that one. I would leave those few. I don't really care about that, but that's one that I am very interested in. Whereas, I feel like in some cases, if I were to look at the pure relationships of couples around me, I don't feel tragically as inspired by those. Mm. Um, So I think that that's huge. I also think that a lot of what y'all grapple with, specifically sexuality, is super fascinating and instructive to me because it's just the idea of even pursuing what you want, what you desire outside of this kind of check the box normative way of thinking about it, that mm-hmm. like there is a whole life there
1: that for everyone
2: for for everyone, everyone so. not just for queer people to discover. And I think that that a lot of us who who check the box early, those lives went dormant precisely because we didn't think there was anything else to explore. Hmm. And so I think anyone who is queering different areas, it just is kind of inspiration. I will just like chuckle at it because I'm like, oh my God, this is the thing you're working on?
1: I think something that Sophie is also kind of talking about is... It's easy to look at the three of us and the dynamic we have, sister, you're in a heterosexual marriage. There are so many, like you said, it's a spectrum, but what I would challenge you, Sophie, is to not see it necessarily as the spectrum of gender, but the spectrum of things that you want in your relationship and the things that that maybe that you see in ours or that you see in Amanda's because it doesn't have anything to do with like the actual sex act that's going on in the bed it's like the kind of people who are in these relationships and what you're seeing as a byproduct of these kind of people and if you're seeing that stereotypically two women are going to have a different communication in their relationship than a heterosexual one will if that's something that's interesting to you then explore that but i wouldn't say well that's just not the kind of relationship i have look at all kinds of relationships and and Mm -hmm. explore what is interesting about that couple and maybe explore trying to do that in your personal relationship.
0: Yeah, as the one tripodter who has experienced both heterosexual marriage and homosexual marriage.
2: Can we just say like queer marriage? It's freaking me out. Homosexual marriage. And
0: heterosexual, like what is
2: that? Marriage to a man and marriage to a woman.
0: I mean, yeah, marriage to a human being who has been conditioned as a man on this planet and marriage oh, here we go. to a human being <laughs> who has been conditioned as a woman on this planet. It's not going to stop.
1: Um, <laughs> well, because I think that's truer. I know. I know you do. Uh, we talk about this all the time. I don't it's think it's real. I don't think woman, that we man have, is real. We haven't landed on a truth yet, though, because we're still working
0: towards it. Point being... Bose has this amazing new book out called The Urgent Life. Actually, it's not Alliet.
1: Bose Miss Saint-John.
0: Bose Miss Saint-John, right. She has this whole thing about she was married to a white man and like having to translate her blackness to a white man constantly. Mm. Okay. Mm. And she describes the whole thing so freaking brilliantly and beautifully, as she always does. And I can't wait for everyone to read it. But I think that I, in my relationships with men, struggled very deeply and had a big resentment towards always having to translate my experience as a woman on this planet to someone else. It Mm. made me feel very lonely. It made me feel like we were never having the same experience. Walking down the street, being in a meeting, walking into a bank and being treated differently— walking down the street and feeling unsafe or that person feeling safe, walking into a room with a man and just the lack of yield, the lack of like spatial awareness because they've never had to have that, the posture of it. Every time something happened in the news, every time I heard about a sexual assault, I would have this visceral, pained, emotional reaction. And it felt like the person I was in partnership with could only empathize was never experiencing it viscerally and that was unsurvivable to me is what i'm saying yeah to me the biggest difference between same sex different sex marriage is Never having to, and it's not never actually, because we've had different experiences mm-hmm. as women in the world and you have had more male privilege and I have had more privilege because of my femme presenting self. There are differences, yep. but the bridge is shorter. Mm. The translating, my we are ha- often having the same experience, the same reaction, and that having been conditioned as the same gender on this planet, and that makes me feel less alone. That's the biggest difference to me. It doesn't have to do with sex It has to do with not having to translate myself
1: constantly. What's sad? It doesn't have to do with sex.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even in sex, I'm not having to translate myself differently. Right. Let's think about it.
2: Oh, I'm thinking about it.
0: I'm having Uh. sex with someone who has the same parts as me. I'm not having to translate. we got where you were going with it. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Right after you said, let's think about it. Okay. Okay. But you know what's so
2: interesting to me? Just playing with this for a second. I agree with you, the loneliness of that. And I have felt that. And the like, there are parts of me you will never, ever get. Just because you can't, not because it's a fault of yours. Right. Just like there's parts of you that I will never, ever get. But the translating, I don't know that I have ever asked my husband to translate his experience to me. I know that I have. Because is that the default? Hmm, I don't think struggled. I have struggled. I have struggled with the fact that he could never understand what it was like to watch Trump get elected. Exactly. And watch Hillary lose, what it was like to see Brett Kavanaugh become a Supreme Court judge, what it's like, you know, any number of things, fill in the mm-hmm. blank, to get Roe to get overturned. And that has felt lonely as shit. But I've never, dare I say, been interested (laughs) enough. Because if I was interested enough, I would have asked, right? That's fair. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you? And maybe it's like what you said, Abby, it's such a default. It feels like, well, you get the standard experience and I get the shittier one. But if we're ever going to make it anywhere... We have to stop thinking that way. Mm. They are getting a very specific experience, just like we're getting a very specific experience. And granted, it's 100% of the 70% pay that we get. And it's 100% of the opportunities of the percentage we get. I get all of that. But in the actual conditioning of what it means for them to actually be human emotional beings in the world... They are having an experience. That's right. That isn't just default. Right.
0: Nobody is having a default experience in their own body because it's the only experience they've ever had.
1: Yeah. This is really fascinating.
0: I just want to say thank you so much for being brave enough to answer the hard questions from the Pod Squad because I absolutely freaking loved this conversation. And I'd like to apologize to the Pod Squad for not at. <laughs> for not taking any questions from me and Abby, we actually did plan to, but sister was too wonderful. Amanda, Samanda was too beautiful and smart. Samanda. so we'll save ours for another time. We'll yeah. do ours
1: next. Yes, yeah, we will. And I just think that there's so much to continue to explore. I can, I love learning about you, Samanda. And also, head (laughs) squatters, here's a challenge.
0: Let's think about the one question we don't want to answer when people ask it to us, and let's just think about why this week. Because it turns out there's probably some good stuff there. Yeah. And with that, we can do hard things. We'll see you next time. Bye. So good. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do Each or all of these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode. And it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And then just tap the plus sign in the upper right hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location. It's the neighborhood. It's so much more. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking...